is Bloomberg Surveillance. Because our demographics has shifted, we're getting much more improvement in the job market than you would have expected. It's a general concern that central banks really don't have a lot left that they can do. We have concerns about policy effectiveness. What's happening in Japan speaks to fundamental worries about how effective are central banks. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene with markets uh, exceptional this morning. We welcome all of you worldwide. Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 99.1 FM Washington with Janet Yellen's testimony in one hour. Uh, Bloomberg 1130 New York, good morning out on the West Coast, Bloomberg 960, the Bay Area. A special good morning uh, across all of Sirius and XM channel uh, 119. Uh, the markets, uh, we could do an hour data check. We're not going to do that. David Wilson's grabbing my bow tie saying, no, you won't do that, sir. Let's just look at foreign exchange, the Forex Brief, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best. Retail Forex trading platform, visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. IBKR.com slash Forex. Yen, historic. What a move. Weaker yen in the last hour. 112.44, Euro 113.28. Dollar weaker off DXY. But Hans Redeker at Morgan Stanley adamant that it's about dollar strength, euro strength, yen strength against a beleaguered world. I would note Russian ruble, which has been strong and stable in the last hour, has given that up. We've gone from 78 to 80.51 on Russian ruble. That bears watching along with Mexican peso, 19.12 as well. David Wilson, what's great about you wandering into the studio is you're looking at things I'm not looking at, Michael's not looking at. We've been euro, euro, euro banking. You're looking at other banking. Well, sure. I mean, you've got to. I mean, given the declines that we saw overnight in European and Japanese banks, you're seeing losses in early trading among the largest U.S. banks. Bank of America and Citigroup both down about 3.5% in early trading. J.P. Morgan Chase down 3%, Wells Fargo down 2.5%. You've also got energy stocks lower. Crude oil falling as much as 4.5% in New York trading and approaching last month's low. So you've got Exxon Mobil down 1.5%. Same for Chevron. Marathon Oil down 3%. Gold mining stocks, though, they're taking off uh, as the precious metal heads for its biggest gain since in September 2013 in New York trading. Barrick Gold up 8%. Same for Newmont Mining and Gold Corp up 9.5% at the moment. Cisco Systems up about 6%. The largest maker of networking equipment unexpectedly forecast higher revenue for its fiscal third quarter. Analysts were looking for Cisco sales to drop 1%, according to the average estimate in the Bloomberg survey. Then you have Mylan, the most active stock in early trading, down 12.5%. The drug maker agreed to acquire Sweden's Meta for about $7.2 billion in cash and stock. The deal's value on a per-share basis exceeded the all-time high for Meta's shares. Uh, Cowan analyst Ken Cacciatore wrote in a report that Mylan's agreement fits a pattern of wealth-destroying decisions. 
You've got some wealth being destroyed at Twitter as well. That stock down 5.5%. The social media site unexpectedly failed to add users last quarter, and Twitter's revenue forecast for this quarter trailed analyst estimates. There is a better story out of the online world, though, when you look at travel agencies. Expedia shares up 9%. Uh, mm. Their preferred gaze of earnings, they're looking for it to rise this year by at least 35% and possibly as much as 45%. Then you have TripAdvisor up 10.5%. Fourth quarter earnings and revenue beat analysts' highest estimates. And you can throw into that. Priceline Group up 3% in early trading. Tesla Motors up 5%. Billionaire Elon Musk's electric car maker said it expects deliveries worldwide to rise as much as 78% this year, the projected growth beating analyst estimates. O'Reilly Automotive up 3%. The auto parts retailer's fourth quarter earnings and sales beat projections. Uh, O'Reilly raised a stock buyback program by $750 million. Mm-hmm. And one more for you, international flavors and fragrances. Oh, there's an old name. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Last quarter's profit and revenue came up short of projections, and mm-hmm. IFF is down 12% in early oh, trading. David Wilson, thank you so much. Through the day, David Wilson on the equity markets, negative 31 on futures, better than the negative 40 uh, earlier. Mike, it would be rude if I brought in our next guest, please. Uh, well, the only thing I can say is uh, we did it. No, we didn't do it, Libby, but um, the Broncos did it. Share and revel in our in our the victory, can't we? What a what a game! And it also <laughs> just shows you that defense can actually win games, right? Absolutely. Oh, by the way, we're talking with uh, PIMCO's chief National Football oh, yes. League analyst, um, <laughs> Libby Cantrell, who um, sometimes on the side analyzes and coordinates the firm's response to public policy issues, which I suppose probably more people want to hear about than you and I reveling in Denver's no, victory. Well, but, but it's great. Yes, you, but you, what has changed in your world after Iowa and after New Hampshire? Does the Libby Cantrell world change in Washington? Um, well, you know, I, does my change, my, does my life change after a Bronco victory? Um, you know, perhaps. I, I, you know, I think that in terms of, you know, Iowa and New Hampshire, you know, obviously in, important clues, um, in terms of kind of the direction of these races. But really, I think it's really, it's super important for everybody to contextualize these from a, from a delegate perspective, and that's what really matters, right? You, for each party, they're trying to get a simple majority of the, the total delegates at stake. They really don't represent very much. You know, 1% for Iowa, 1% for New Hampshire. It, but we definitely learned some things, right? So on, on the New Hampshire side, uh, we learned that Trump actually can mobilize the, the, his supporters. That was a little bit in question in, after Iowa, where he, he sort of unexpectedly came in second. We also learned in New Hampshire that you know, de- debates actually matter um, in places where loss of, of voters actually break at the last minute, 40 percent um, broke in, in the, the last week and, and ended up voting for, you know, instead of Rubio, voting for Kasich and Cruz and, and Trump and, mm-hmm. and Bush. Um, and then we also learned, you know, from New Hampshire on the GOP side that, you know, this is going to be a much longer protracted race than I think some people had hoped because um, instead of gaining clarity in terms of who the establishment candidate is going to be, it really just, you know, muddled the, muddled the, the things a little bit more. Uh, so far, um, despite all the railing against Wall Street that's been done on the campaign trail, investors don't seem to be too upset about uh, what's happening in the political uh, campaigns. So when do they start paying attention? Uh, is it just that at this point they can't believe that th- those who are leading are leading? Yeah, I, 
that and then also obviously just the exogenous um, events that are going on, you know, around the globe and also, you know, domestically. And, you know, I, I, I would contend, and we're, we've been talking to our, our traders a lot about this, is that the longer this the the primary races go on on each side on the Democratic and Republican side, and it looks like because of the way that the delegates are apportioned, um, because again that the, the sort of the establishment candidate hasn't been determined on the Republican side, that the, the longer these races go, the the more people, the more the candidates are forced to make compromises with the very extremes of their party, and they're they're you know they're much more likely to say things that they may not necessarily believe, but then. And they're held accountable to when they come into office, and and that's bad, you know, from a from a just a a, a prognosis of, of more compromise in 2017 when people have to make um, you know sort of promises and ingratiate themselves with the extremes of their party in order to get the, the nomination. Find it more difficult to pivot to the center, and then when they actually have to govern, you know, find it harder than to to compromise and reach across the aisle. Is there gerrymandering still? among the congressional districts, and is there almost a state gerrymandering that goes on in your Washington? Well, certainly on the, you know, certainly in the House of Representatives, um, you know, just for, for listeners, um, you know, redistricting happens every every 10 years. It's based on the national census. Yeah. The last time, yeah, the census was done, and it was in 2010. And at that point, state officials on both sides of the aisle, but especially among Republicans, because they happen to control more state legislatures and, and governorships, um, they use the opportunity to really consolidate support and make the districts, you know, much redder and on the Democratic side, right. much bluer. So, yeah, so, so uh, the punchline is, yeah, many more fewer swing districts um, within the House of Representatives, which really means that, you know, barring something pretty extraordinary happening, uh, it looks like the House will stay Republican. Um, okay. Almost, almost, almost without, you know, almost. Without That's a great civics lesson, but then can you carry elements or tones of that over to the Senate where we wouldn't expect to see it? Yeah, I mean, so the Senate, um, the Senate is quite different. Obviously, those are statewide races versus can, you know, district-wide um, races. You know, in the, the Senate, this the dynamic this year is a little bit reversed from 2014. So going into 2014, Democrats had the majority. They were defending the majority of seats that were up for, for re-election. They ended up losing the Senate to the Republicans. This election cycle um, is, is sort of the same dynamic for Republicans. So Republicans are defending mm. 24 of the 34 states that are Senate seats that are up for, for re-election, and of those 24, you know, eight have gone for President Obama, um, or eight are in, in states that have gone for President Obama in, you know, the past two election cycles. So it makes the Senate a lot more vulnerable for Republicans. Now, right. the interesting thing is if you look at where those Senate races are, they happen to be in the swing states, right? Okay. So they happen to be in the well, Pennsylvanias and New Hampshire. Libby, we got to leave it there. Libby Cantrell with PIMCO. We'll have her on again to talk Denver Broncos football. We need to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national news. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. The last four people to occupy a national wildlife refuge in eastern Oregon planned to give themselves up to authorities this morning. Last night, law enforcement officers surrounded the National Wildlife Refuge in a tent standoff. A spokesman for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says two U.S. women who contracted the Zika virus while traveling out of the country miscarried after returning home. According to the Washington Post, the virus was found in their placentas. 
trial for a 94-year-old former SS sergeant began today in western Germany. Reinhold Henning has been charged on 170,000 counts of accessory to murder. Reinhold is charged of serving as a guard in the Auschwitz death camp. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. Michael, thanks so much. It's a better tape in the last hour still. Negative 30, Dow Futures, negative 260, down to 15,605. West Texas, 26. 80 does 20 cents better than the last hour. Stay with us with more data checks. Bloomberg Surveillance. Market Drivers, brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealer. When it comes to winter elements, put your best four wheels forward with Mercedes-Benz 4Matic all-wheel drive. Visit your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealer for a test drive today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures lower with stocks poised for their longest losing streak this year as investors shunned risk worldwide amid concern that central bank efforts to support growth are losing their potency. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures are down 30 points. Dow E-mini futures down 260. And Nasdaq E-mini futures down 60. The DAX in Germany is down 2.1%. Ten-year treasury up 21.30 seconds. The yield 1.59%. Yield on the two-year, 0.62%. NYMEX crude oil down 2.5% or 70 cents at 26.77 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 3.9% or $46.30 to 12.40.90 an ounce. The euro, $1.1332. The yen, 112.46. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you so much. Again, a better tape in the last hour, 1.60 on the 10-year yield. Uh, the the, the two-year note, 0.59 is out to a 0.62, so a sigh of relief in the last hour. Bloomberg Surveillance, brought to you by CIT, from transportation to healthcare to manufacturing. CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work at CIT.com. We thank them for their perspective. As we do, the former chairman of the SEC, policy advisor to, I can't remember who, Bloomberg LP board member, huh. Arthur Levitt, policy advisor to the New York Giants. To Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot exactly. about that. Arthur, there's no, there's no change. It's like Wall Street and Main Street. The gap is as wide as it was when Speaker Pelosi was talking about this issue, or is it really not? Where are we on the gap between Wall Street and Main Street? I think it's more polarized than ever in this political season with the two Democratic candidates arguing over whether Mrs. Clinton uh, has taken so much money from Wall Street. She simply can't protect investor interests. So I think the Environment is probably as poisonous as ever. Hammering Wall Street has become the political um, act of the day to advance the interests of whoever's. Was it always there? For those of us younger, is this a new phenomenon or has Arthur Levitt lived with this? I think it's a phenomenon that goes back all the way uh, for almost hundreds of years. I can remember. Growing up in Brooklyn, my grandfather, who was an immigrant, 
railing against two things, the politicians and Wall Street. uh, Wall Street was a convenient whipping boy for uh, mostly the lower economic levels of our society. I don't think that has changed. I think it's polarized even more by Mm. the nature of political rhetoric, which targets people who have received the benefits of Wall Street, such as the banks and the individual brokerage firms, uh, have become front and center in political diatribe. Speaking of political diatribes, uh, you note this morning that uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Representative Elijah Cummings have inserted themselves into this debate about uh, the um, financial responsibility standards that the Labor Department is setting for advisors. Yes, what they, what Cummings and Warren are saying today, they're putting forth arguments written by various financial firms to their clients saying that the Department of Labor rule calling for fiduciary standard really isn't going to hurt their clients very much. I think it's kind of a specious argument because That's natural for any uh, dealings with a customer. Obviously, you're going to say to the customer, yes, we didn't want this rule, but since we have it, we don't feel it's going to hurt you that much. I think Warren and Cummings are trying to emphasize what they regard to be the hypocrisy of Wall Street. I think that's somewhat overstated. Mm -hmm. I think that's a natural transaction between uh, a dealer yeah. and a customer, and it's really kind of naive to expect that it would be anything but that. They didn't like the rule, yeah. but since they have it, they'll live with it. Arthur, I want to rip up the script here. No, not Giants football, but Hillary football. You've been doing this for years. What is your advice to Secretary Clinton to repair her bond with her party, and I respectfully suggest your party, uh, given the tilt to Wall Street that she had in recent years, what's the Levitt game plan for Hillary Clinton? I don't think she... Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we're I left hanging. We have, we have lost... Oh, Arthur my God. Long. Let's see if we can get Arthur back. And in the yeah, meantime, let, yeah, us, uh, let us note a major, major yes. failure on the part of the surveillance staff they forgot to mail your application to be IMF managing director in. Lagarde single-handedly, single-handedly ripped it up. And, and uh, we can pass along this headline that Christine Lagarde is now okay. unopposed for another term. Okay, we've got Arthur Levitt back again. Arthur, what's your advice to Secretary Clinton? I think she's got to stay the course, not apologize for uh, her relations with Wall Street. She was a senator from New York. She did receive political contributions, as did every other Democratic candidate from Wall Street. Uh, I simply think she should not apologize, nor should she turn against Wall Street, reject contributions. That would be the worst thing in the world that she could do. Stay the course. Okay, Arthur Levin, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. He is a former chairman of the SEC and, of course, uh, working uh, around in, in the Democratic Party 
uh, for uh, many decades. Um, Mike, it's a better tape. I mean, I think we need, you know, I, I get a lot of grief that it's gloomy and a Gloomberg and all that. But we do like to show constructive vectors when they occur. And What's we've a got one record? right now. Um, well, okay. Um, the low on the S&P futures was 1802. We're at 1815. So it is better, but we're still down by almost 2% in the future. So let us see what happens. And uh, we have come off a bit on the 10-year note yield, 1.59. We were as low as 1.52 at one point. So I'll take your point. Yeah. We'll watch uh, the opening coming up in just a few moments here on Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting you down to that opening bell, brought to you by the refined Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland that continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Jeep, the official vehicle of Killington Resort. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And that was the sound of the opening bell. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keene and Michael McKee. And the opening bell is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash imagine. And the S&P 500 lower at the open, down 9 tenths percent or 16 points to 1835. Dow Jones Industrial Average down 9 tenths percent or 139 points to 15,774. The Nasdaq's down 1.5 half percent or 63 points to 4220. 10-year Treasury up 21.30 seconds. The yield 1.59 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.62 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2%, down 55 cents to 26.91 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 3.9% or $46.80 to 12.41.20 an ounce. The euro, $1.1353, the yen, 112.31. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Uh, we'll look for the first print in the VIX, 26.29 to closing. James Steele is someone we love speaking to on gold. He looks at fundamentals. He looks at supply. He looks at a growing demand in Asia. And he has been optimistic. James, technically, I just worked up a chart. It's called a point and figure chart, which from January of 13, it's 1780 an ounce has been south in bear market. To your great credit, we've broken through the huge resistance of the last three years. What's it mean? Well, I think it's uh, uh, good morning, Tom, and I think I think it's a, a reflection of uh, risk-off uh, investor mentality. The uh, uh, this is where gold uh, does shine uh, when you uh, uh, when there's uncertainty in the currency mm-hmm. markets, particularly also in, in equities. And gold has been uh, the recipient of, uh, of of at least a portion of this of this outflow. And and what what, what I think is interesting is that unlike Previous periods of risk off last year, say the year before, when money went into treasuries, depressed yields, but also boosted the dollar, uh, and that weighed on gold this time, uh, it's not having that effect on the dollar, and rather gold is the, the principal recipient. The, the move today is so abrupt and so big, uh, I'm wondering if it can be sustained or if there's something else behind it. 
Well, you do have to ask yourself, and you know, gold is a, uh, a relatively small market compared to uh, the giant foreign exchange and, and global fixed income markets. This this is a, a as you pointed out rightly, a, a very steep rally, and uh, you know, just on, and that's that that will provoke a fundamental response. Already, we're seeing a very steep discount uh, in India to world uh, gold prices, and uh, that would imply that uh, import demand there would be very weak. So uh, that, in fact, could uh, eventually begin to trigger uh, well, so, some kind of a correction. And, and this goes to the heart of the matter, and I don't want you to do this technically, James, because I know you don't do that. State the case for a fundamental return to gold optimism. Can you make that today, or is that premature? No, I think, and in, 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 in we've uh, been uh, supportive on, 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 a, on a basic fundamental front. I mean, taking the non-monetary, non-investment side uh, for the moment, um, uh, increasing income in, 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 in the emerging world uh, is friendly towards gold because of the predilection uh, towards owning bullion. Uh, if you couple that with uh, a static or, or just beginning to decline, uh, gold mine production and lower recycling, uh, then these, if you were to look at it like a copper or, 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 or any other non-monetary commodity, then, you know, the argument would be for modest gains, uh, in gold. And, and where we get these very strong rallies is when the investment case for gold also couples along with that. And I think that's what we're seeing now. What's the investment case? That it is, that it is a haven? Simply? It's, it's a safe haven and it's a flight to quality. Yes, um, which is uh, uh, why it rallied significantly during the last crisis. Um, or I'm not saying we're in a crisis now, but in, in the most recent crisis, it, 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 the trajectory was very high between 2008-2009 when the financial crisis, the mortgage crisis, morphed into a financial one and then eventually became a sovereign risk uh, crisis uh, for some countries. And, and that, in turn, uh, yeah. really bolstered the that, That's what sent us up right. to $1,800. But the, I want to pin you down on this, James, too. We've got too much respect for your fundamental work. The leg up now that we're seeing because of fear in the market, down negative 227, oil 26.90, and the dollar weaker. The leg up that we're seeing now is because of fear in the market. Can you underpin that with your optimism on demand for gold in emerging markets, or can you just not call a bull market in gold? Oh, well, I think that um, uh, uh, we've, as you pointed out, we've been in a, a retrenched bear market for for a long time, and, and we're positive on the gold market. We, we, we are bullish without necessarily calling for a raging uh, uh, gold bull market. And, yes, the, the, the fundamentals, you know, are, are definitely supportive, and at least for the moment, when as long as this turmoil is on, uh, so, so is the investment case. So uh, now what I, would, what I would caution is that in these rapid run-ups, uh, yeah, as with all markets, uh, one may see some profit-taking. One, one could also see a, a steep near-term retrenchment uh, in fundamental demand. You know, there, there's going to be sticker shock for ordinary gold buyers in India, China, mm -hmm. Indonesia, and places like that. That's going to undercut temporarily uh, the, physical, the physical demand, which could act to restrain, the, which, which could act to, to restrain the market. 
But those things tend to move uh, less quickly than the investment flows, which are dominating right now. Uh, that uh, Both those points are true, and I just wonder when you have uh, a reaction, as you have now, uh, a haven reaction, aren't you just sort of uh, uh, crossing your fingers and hoping that the price will continue to go up if you're buying into it? Because if something, if Janet Yellen says something today that turns people's views, uh, we could go right back down again. Uh, sure, and that would be the same with, uh, you know, uh, bonds or for, uh, uh, for Forex or... But are you more vulnerable with something? It's not divorced from uh, market volatility and the vagaries of the market the way anything else is. I'm just wondering, as a haven trade, uh, is it more vulnerable than perhaps some other asset classes? Well, it is the classic safe haven trade. Um, it is, you know, because it is the world's a supreme hard asset, and uh, uh, for for many reasons, it's more liquid than real estate, object art, etc. And 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 so therefore, um, when you get periods of stability, when we when we move from periods of of uncertainty back to stability, gold is a casualty without doubt. That that that, that is absolutely true. And if one could major, wave a magic wand and restore stability, and we would know if we knew that the markets would be stable going forth, that would uh, deprive gold of a lot of the oxygen that it's received recently. Yes. Only uh, about 30 seconds or so left. Who's buying? Is this the, the pros, or are we seeing ETF flows, the, uh, the average person getting into gold right now? Well, it's interesting. We saw ETF uh, uh, down sharply last year, and so far this year, 75% of all the outflows in the ETFs have been recovered in, in the first six weeks of this year alone. It strikes me that uh, we're seeing institutions back in, but uh, it does look rather broad-based. But we would mm -hmm. need to see the market more sustained to get a larger retail element. James, thank you so much. James Steele is with HSBC on gold. I'm going to call it a measured market matching futures action before negative 237, 15,679. Print in the VIX, 2.38 figures, 2.38 points, 28.67 on the VIX. Not out past that 30 level, which uh, captures the sweat sometime. We're not there. Maybe we were there two hours ago. We're not there now. 26.73 on West Texas Intermediate. The yen, 112.29, not as strong as earlier. Time now to check in with Michael Barr, get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. President Obama will be in California today to raise money for Democrats. The president will attend four fundraisers, two in Los Angeles and two in Silicon Valley. Bernie Sanders has raised more than $7 million since his win in the New Hampshire Democratic primary. Sanders made an appearance last night on CBS's The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. What the goal of this campaign is about is to look at the civil rights movement, look at the women's movement, look at the gay movement, understand that when people come together, we can accomplish enormous things. But I think... What people are saying, enough is enough. We need fundamental changes in our political system and our economic system. Republican presidential candidates have headed to South Carolina. The state holds its Republican primary on February 20th. It is an open primary. It means Republicans, Democrats, and independents can vote in it. A South Korean official says North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has executed his military chief for corruption and other charges. 
It comes as North Korea has ordered its army to occupy an industrial park jointly run with South Korea. North Korea will kick out the remaining South Korean nationals in the park. It's the latest chapter in rising tensions after Pyongyang conducted a rocket launch Sunday. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. Michael Barr, thanks so much. The 10-year yield 1.61%, the two-year 0.63%. Janet Yellen with interesting answers to senators' questions at 10 a.m. this morning. Stay with us. We have not talked with Peter Elliott in quite a while because he's been on the road. A report from the road, Peter Elliott of Dine Go, coming up on Bloomberg Surveillance. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by Eisner Amper. Does your account do more or your accountant do more than crunch numbers? Eisner Amper understands the more their clients know, the better the outcome. That's why they've created a 2016 personal tax guide. Free download at EisnerAmper.com slash strategies. U.S. stocks are falling with the Nasdaq composite closing in on a bear market as investors shun risk worldwide amid concern that central bank efforts to support growth are losing their potency. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P 500 down 1.3 percent or 23 points to 1827. Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.4 percent or 220 points to 15,694. Nasdaq down 1.1 percent or 45 points to 4238. Ten-year Treasury up 12.30 seconds. The yield 1.62 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 1.3 percent or 36 cents to 2708 a barrel. COMEX gold up 3.3 percent or 39 dollars 70 cents to 1234.30 an ounce. The euro a dollar thirteen twenty-seven. The yen won twelve point four three. Mylan, the worst performer in the S&P 500 today. It is down at fifteen point four percent after it agreed to buy Meta for about seven point two billion dollars in cash and stock. And consumer comfort in the first week of February, holding close to a three-month high. The forty-four point five reading in the Bloomberg Consumer Comfort Index during the period ending February seventh. Little change from the forty-four point two the prior week. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Thank you very much, Karen Mosco. Well, we have a, an unfamiliar face, a familiar, unfamiliar face in the studio, somebody we haven't seen for a while because he's been sampling the cuisines of the world. Bloomberg Reserve Editor and Dine Go uh, Aficionado Expert, etc., uh, Peter Elliott. He's back. Uh, with us. Uh, Somehow to, you always say that as if as if you all haven't been in places like Davos, you know? It's okay. You it's all okay. have not. Tom Keene <clears> has. <throat> I was holding down the fort here and uh, dining at um, the Bloomberg snack machine. So Very good. Well, um, we, we are def- I'm definitely in New York and at a very, are, very interesting time. Well, we are, we are um, desperately in need of an update on uh, terrific new restaurants, and there are Several of them opening. Now, I'm going to start uh, with the one I want to know about because all politics being local, uh, my neighborhood is welcoming Salvation Burger, which is um, from April Bloomfield and Ken Friedman. Uh, People may not know the names, but they know their restaurant, The Spotted Pig. 
They know their restaurant, The Spotted Pig, which they also share with Mario Batali, who we'll um, get to hopefully in this segment. Um, yes, um, Ken Friedman and April Bloomfield also have the Breslin. Uh, they also have the John Dory and the Rusty Nut. So there's, they are a well-established kind of mini empire that is uh, taken over the city in a very surreptitious way, I would say, or maybe the, the right word is a, a quiet uh, takeover of the city. Uh, they went from that to Salvation Taco, and then up to a, an area which is well above their usual stomping grounds um, in the East 50s, East Midtown. So th- they are one with the burger craze. And that comes from April, who's the chef of this this partnership, um, making a sensational lamb burger at the Breslin and and really spinning it off in, into a business. So um, I am looking forward to open Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to trying my first Salvation Burger. And... Um, and uh, off we go. Well, uh, let me ask you a, a question. Uh, there is a uh, conventional wisdom is there can be restaurant locations that are cursed. <laughs> yes. And I know where this restaurant, Salvation Burger, is opening, and it has been many things uh, over Indeed. the years, and no restaurant has succeeded there. Indeed. Uh, is, is that just a, an urban myth? Um, it is. It is neither an urban myth, and you are both correct and and incorrect at the same time. There are there are plenty of spaces that have been cursed that just have the right ideas. Um, by standard definition of market capitalism, you know, as long as you make the right uh, the right product for the right market, somebody will beat a path to your door. And certainly, if I was going to put my money on everybody forgetting uh, that 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 mm-hmm. space has been cursed, mm-hmm. I would give it to April Bloomfield and to Ken Friedman in a in a in a world where you know, right. people will line up for burgers. I mean, one of the great stories of New York, and for all of you worldwide, it's one of the oddest plants in New York. It's on the west side of New York, down, down, down. It's called the Maritime Hotel, which has portholes. It had something to do with a union and mm-hmm. ports and shipping yep. years ago. It's gone under about four times. <laughs> and now it's a new redo of two guys that really know what they're doing, making a 300-seat ginormous bar Italian experience. Right. And the key thing is, these guys know what they're doing uh, exactly. with the risk so, of that physical space. A common a, a common theme we have going on here. So here's Ken Friedman, a, a, a businessman and a skilled operator, and April Bloomfield, a skilled and talented chef. Uptown. Up, doing uptown. They also have downtown. Yeah. Um, very much like Mario Batali, chef, Joe Bastianich, operator. These are people who really know the industry. And also, uh, Mike, to the same, to your point, um, the space where La Serena is, is opening tonight at the Maritime Hotel is equally cursed. <laughs> Has yeah. had equally, uh, stupid restaurants through it over the course of yes. its revival from its union days through to it being a hotel. Nothing, nobody can seem to make that space work. Again, if I thought there was anybody who could make that work. You know what I think is interesting about what what Joe and Mario Batali are doing at this space is that they are taking a page from the Ken Keith McNally playbook. Please. So, I mean, if there is a around the world as I travel, I always say if you can do whatever it is that Keith McNally does at Balthazar, you have a winner. So, you know, Mario Batali is famous for a restaurant called Baba, which is tiny, still hard to get into. But, you know, here is a 300-seat restaurant where the price point is actually coming in low, and I predict, you heard it here on Bloomberg Radio, that La Serena, because Joe and Mario have worked out that what people really want Mm -hmm. is simple food at a good price point, just like Balthazar, this will be the winner. This will be the turnover. What's on the menu at La Serena? 
The, it's it's pure Italian. It's Mario back to his roots. So I mean, if Babbo is like the high end version of Italian, love you know lamb letters and all that good stuff, this is you know Baltazar for Italians. They must employ a huge number of people. Balthazar, to give you global perspective, there hasn't been an empty seat at it in six years. <laughs> six? But probably near 20. The waiters the and the waitresses, the bartenders, do they make like a king's ransom at those places? They make they make decent salaries. It's it's it's, it's kind like of a old, professional, old fashioned yeah. market capitalism. It's I remember a, a Tony Tony May from San Domenico. Doesn't matter what Danny Meyer talks about. Doesn't matter if they if they're people in the seats, you get paid. If yeah, they're not people in precisely. the seats, you don't but, get paid. But this paid. is it's critical. Very in the time we've got left, <laughs> there's a lot of restaurants. I see this, and I'm the amateur. There's a lot of empty seats there are out a lot there of, right I now. was in a restaurant last night that shall go unnamed where it's like, why am I sitting in the front part? Oh, because the back part we've closed off. Why? It's, it's, there is going to be a culling in 2016. And operators and, and chefs like Mario Batali, Ken Friedman, April Bloomfield, you know, God bless them. They've, they've worked out what works in the market, and they have that experience, which will probably transform the market. All right. Well, we have to ask then, why the culling? Is it related to what we're seeing on Wall Street with uh, not just the markets down in the turmoil we've seen, but the layoffs that we're seeing in all the major banks? Um, I suspect there's probably very little to do with with a bank relationship. I think it's much more to do with the fact that there are so many restaurants. So if you wind up with unemployed people sitting in their apartments, they haven't stopped going out. They don't suddenly say, oh, we're not going out. But they may decide that there are far too many restaurants around them and that they're only going to go to the places that they have absolutely like, and maybe where they're not going to wind up with a $900,000 tab. We haven't had a chance really to, to, to talk to you about the outlook for 2016 yet. Uh, you bring up an interesting point when you're talking about um, Bloomfield and Freeman moving into uh, the, the East 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we see any kind of rotation in hot neighborhoods for the year ahead? Um, there's certainly going to be something like a rotation. I've said it again, and maybe the, 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 the gods will strike me down. But for sure, the, the, the link to the banking segment or to our industry, the financial industry, is that suddenly all those hedge fund guys and uh, ladies of the universe yeah, who Michael have been McKee. putting money, like yeah, Mike yeah, McKee, who have been, yeah. uh, uh, been putting money, all of a sudden they are, they're picking up the phones and calling those people like Stumptown Coffee and a few of the others who got some venture capital back in the day and saying, where, where is our money, by the way? And I want it back in the next three to six months. So there is definitely going to be a change around town. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, if we start to see more going down. Is there one trend uh, that we can already identify for 2016 in, in what's going to be popular? Um, certainly a move um, with with the Chipotle scare, uh, with with the markets being very, very unbalanced at the moment. I would uh, certainly see that people are going to move towards healthier foods. Um, this what, what I, What's called the locovore uh, trend. So while, while we do have Ken and the April what? making, uh, making, the uh, making what? burgers, not everybody wants to, to go to a vegetarian restaurant. Nobody, everybody wants to go to an all-steak restaurant. Some, everybody wants to go to a place very l- along the sweet green uh, model of something that is healthy, but where you can also get a burger or right. some bolognese. Can I ask one quick question? Are we over kale yet? <laughs> we are way. <laughs> kale was so 2011. You know, we are, we are absolutely. We, well, back to burgers. Back to bur- we are back, back to, to burgers. burgers. Peter Elliott, Salvation are burger. you going to be here for like more than two days? I am. You? I'm here Very for good. two days. Peter Elliott uh, with a wonderful <laughs> Bloomberg Reserve. Lots of it about like coming up like the days are getting longer and you may go to in New York, Litchfield or the Hamptons in Boston, Cape Cod. Where do they go in Washington? 
Uh, they go to the uh, Maryland, Apple, Maryland, Maryland Shore. Shore. Peter Elliott's going to be and doing Delaware. a lot of that Delaware. as we move into 2016. Uh, the Dow, we, we have a rally off of the horrific market of 8 a.m., negative 172 on the Dow. The VIX, 28.06. Please stay with Bloomberg Radio through the morning on these markets uh, and the turmoil that we see. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning.